Hey guys, welcome to the Katie May Show. I am Katie May. I hope you are ready to keep it real and talk all things marriage because that is what I do. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey in the pursuit of having an awesome marriage and accepting nothing less for this one and only life we get to have here together. Let's do this. Hi ladies, welcome to the Katie May Show. If you're catching this on the podcast, um, if you are part of my amazing community, Intimacy Revolution on Facebook or Instagram, welcome as well. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very dear friend of mine, Miss Michelle Porterfield. Uh, she is a transformational life coach and as a matter of fact, used to be my very own life coach. And we uh, have had some fun technical difficulties getting this up and running. <laughs> so we are praying that this awesome, awesome message will be uh, recorded, recorded well, and you guys don't have any, you know, glitches. But that being said, back to Michelle, um, she works with women who struggle to cope with over drinking, cope with their lives, relationships, you name it. And Michelle is going to share with us her very own, just very cool uh, story of what she encountered in her own life. And I, uh, that was actually a big part of what even drew me to working with Michelle um, because she's so open, she's so real, uh, and just an amazing human being all around. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear from her and learn from her. And hey, if you're on here and you're like, you know what, uh, I don't have an overdrinking thing. It's not my, you know, whatever. I I will urge you to stay on because if it's not drinking, we have our vices, we have our weaknesses, our we all cope somehow. And I would just really encourage you guys to stay on for this conversation because Michelle is the bomb.com. So Michelle, explain to them a little bit about who you are, what you do, all the things, please. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. I appreciate you. And yes, I have loved working with you and being friends with you and learning from you and watching you grow and shine. And yes, I absolutely 100% agree that if someone is not an over drinker, there's going to be something that they get from this conversation. Cause usually when you and I get together, um, some cool stuff happens. So I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, I do. I help women stop over drinking or stop drinking completely and create a life that they love because most place they come from a place of not trusting themselves and not being healthy inside of their own internal world so that they lean into coping because it's easy and it's out there and it's in our conditioning and it's encouraged so what happens is it works for a while till it doesn't work and we realize we're in this sort of loop of this overing and that's what I help with and so much more and I have um a podcast that I started in 2020 and that's where my main value is and just helping people walk through that journey. So cool. What's the name of your podcast? So they know that free sisterhood, that free sisterhood. That is so, so cool. Yes. Um, Michelle and I, I actually found Michelle randomly on, um, I think it was cause we were in the podcast building class. 
And then I saw some of your content and I was like, oh, she can call me on my BS. Like, <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to call and talk to her. <laughs> so, um, Michelle, how did you, if you can shed some light on your own personal story and relationship with how you came to becoming this uh, transformational life coach and um, specifically also, you know, why your niche is specifically women who cope with over drinking. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> yes. And I'm, I definitely celebrate the fact that I am, I'm very straightforward and open and I'm, I'm vulnerable. And I do call my clients forward so that they can really see what they're able to do and to take action in such a loving way, for sure. Facts. So, and what's cool about this is that if you knew me back then, you know, five years ago and before, vulnerability was the absolute last thing you would see because I was scared to death of it. Because I believe that if I'm vulnerable, then I will be betrayed and I'm not safe. So I must, there must be something wrong. So that's kind of how my journey started inside of actually what really piqued my interest and openness into personal growth was uh, a network marketing company. And doing that exposed me to this idea of mindset and this ability to really know that you had the ability to not believe everything you think and that you could shift your mindset. So that kind of opened the door early on, even in as I was still regularly drinking, that there was something more possible for me that I could live my life differently. And it wasn't until I really was able to pinpoint that the, at the, the, tip of the iceberg for me the issue that was kept coming forward and coming forward was the fact that whatever was going on in my life I chose to drink and I was yeah. choosing it to avoid emotions it was really as simple as it gets because I yeah. wasn't comfortable in my own skin yeah. well and I think like if we can also just like dive into that just a second because I think if I go back to my own relationship with drinking, um, it wasn't ever like a, oh man, I just need it. It wasn't, well, that wasn't like a conscious thing I would say or that I was aware of, right? It was like, oh, you know, man, I had a really hard day today. I deserve this. Like, oh man, the kids are coming, they're screaming, like I'm exhausted. I need, I, I really just want to calm down and I deserve this, you know? And so I, I, I think that like, that was more my like mantra to myself was like, I deserve this. I need, I want this. I think maybe I did say I needed a couple of times. I don't know, but I'm, I'm trying to expand a little bit because like hindsight 2020, looking back at it and going like, yeah, no, I, I was like in a need spot because of now we're aware. So we look back and we see our own emotions and what we were really running from at that point in time. Right. But I don't think that that's a lot of people are aware of that's exactly what they're doing. So how would you, how would you help clue them into why they're grabbing those drinks or like, where's the starting point for them in their mindset with all of this? Yeah. One of the, the main keys is recognizing that you are going outside of yourself to create 
this feeling that you desire. It was, I just got off a client call and our adventure throughout the process was this idea that at the end of the day, there was this idea that, oh, I've done all this. I've exercised and I've done this and I've done that. And now I need to relax. Now I need to chill. I'm going to reward myself. Well, what does that really look like? And what is it that you're trying to feel? And what you're wanting to feel can be different for everyone. But a lot of times we use that word relaxed. And it's really this feeling of just this calm, you know, bringing yourself down to just feeling this, like your heart rate down, this peacefulness inside of you. And we don't really know how to do that until we know how. So typically women are feeling overwhelmed or they're feeling stressed and they really just, they want to check out because then their mind's too busy and they don't know how to yet understand that they have the ability to calm the mind as well. And so because the brain doesn't really care about you being happy or healthy, it goes, wait, just have a drink. That'll fix it because that numbs you out. So you don't have to think about it anymore. And then the cycle continues. And so it's really just, just asking yourself, you know, what am I avoiding or what am yeah. I, what am I feeling or what am I not feeling right now? And because um, most of us think it is a habit and it is, there's part of it that it is a habit that yeah. we go to in a pattern. But typically what I've found, I've not had any clients yet that have strictly over drank and consistently drank only because it was a habit. There was yeah. always something underneath. Yeah, it's, I, I would absolutely agree with that. It was, um, not to mention, like you talked a little bit about it, just being, it's so socially shoved down our throats. It's not even like, let's just not even say acceptable. It's shoved on our throats at every advertisement at social gatherings. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, I remember I was, I was talking to a friend of mine. No, no. I, I've had a conversation with my friend, but also there's a comedian out there, Jim Gaffigan, and he does a whole skit on this. He's like, no one ever asks you why you don't eat something or, or like why you don't do something unless it's drinking. Why is that? Like, it's like every, no one's like, you don't like mayonnaise. And it's like, are you addicted to mayonnaise? And it's like, <laughs> so it's just, it's such a, it's like a weird thing when you run into somebody and they're like, oh, I just don't drink. You automatically go like, oh, you must've had a problem, you know, like, oh, you can't control yourself. Like there's the stigma. But if we think about that very interaction, it's like, that's how freaking normal drinking is in our society is it's weird if you don't. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, not, o not only do we have to combat the fact that like, it's already all over the place and it's just this normal thing to do. It's a lot more normal for you to go and reach for a drink than it is for you to sit and learn how to meditate and tackle your own thoughts. Right. So what's the benefit for people listening who are like, look, I'm, I'm really busy. Um, I just, I do, I do want to just shut my brain off. I don't want to have to go into my thoughts or deal with all this hard crap. I do. And I am just looking for a way to just relax and a glass of wine does it for me. A two glasses of wine does it for me. What's the big freaking deal, right? What would you say to somebody who had that kind of mindset? Well, <clears throat> it's interesting because 
A lot of us think that for a long time until we realize that we've just ignored the fact that it is a big deal and it's costing us something. So one of the first things I ask people um, inside of these conversations are, well, what is it actually costing you right now? Whether it's inside of your relationship, your health, which is sleep, or whether you have brain fog or not is affecting your, your relationship to your children, to your job, to your self-worth, to your self-esteem. You know, all these things is, are the, the, the hidden undercurrents of the things that we're feeling when we come up against the negotiation, because that's really what's happening at night, is that we haven't really taken the time to check in and manage our energy and things that, like you said before, that we know now that we didn't know then, which is why I share this message. Just if anything changes for someone today, it's just this awareness of, oh, wow, I'm not ever really paying attention to how I'm actually feeling. I'm going through the motions and I'm living in reaction mode. Okay, well then ask yourself, what is this life that you're living? What's that costing you? What are you missing? You know, and especially as a woman of faith, that's huge because what does that look like with your relationship to God? Doesn't he say, come to me first and you're choosing to go somewhere else? Are you feeling a little guilt inside of that? I know I was, and a lot of women I work with do. And it's just a matter of there's women that if you don't have a challenge with over drinking or you don't have a concern, then you're probably you're probably okay because women that just drink on occasion or at a wedding or at a summer vacation, they don't, they don't have this internal dialogue. So if it's there, then just be aware that it's there and maybe there's some more exploring to do. But if, if you're like, huh, I don't really get this. I don't only drink every now and then, then this, this, that part might not be for you. But like we said earlier, it, if it's not drinking, what is it for you? Are you on your phone? Are you watching, you know, consuming Instagram reels? Are you watching Netflix instead of turning towards and leaning in towards your relationship? You know, what is it? Well, I, I'm so happy you said that. Cause I was just going to say, I'm like, I had a good, uh, a client of mine who used to, she used to, um, she used to struggle with drinking and she switched it to running like ultra marathons. Right. And it's like, or run, and she was super competitive and it was like, but here's the thing. Um, you just transferred like, not that I don't have, again, I don't have anything against, I don't have anything against alcohol. I don't have anything against marijuana. I don't have anything against like the substance. These are just, these are just the symptoms, right? Facebook isn't innately bad, right? Like Instagram, it's not running marathons or ultra marathons are not bad things. It's just a matter of how you're using them. So like, to your point, it's like, how are you stunting your own emotional growth and escaping your own reality of life and what you're actually going through with what, like you fill in the blank. And if it's not drinking, then, you know, what is it? And that um, I think what you just hit on sparked something for me too, because um, when you talk about not paying attention to yourself, like I thought I was so self-aware for so many years. I was like, I'm so self-aware. Like I know so much about myself. I'm like the most self-aware person ever. 
but I was actually just really attuned to how other people made me feel. And I say that made me feel loosely because if you guys know my content at all, you know, you no one can make you feel anything. But I was like, oh, that per I externalized everything. That person makes me feel hurt. That person and their energy, they they feel low. So I feel like it's my responsibility to go over there and help them. And then I'm burnt out and I'm exhausted and I'm energetically depleted. And guess what I want? A glass of wine. Mm. Like, and I, that, that was that whole process of um, coping and relaxing myself going into social circumstances too. I used to love to have a glass of wine before I got to the party. And I didn't even break that down for myself until like years into this. And I was like, why do I, why do I need wine before I go have wine with people and it, and this is self-awareness, you guys, this is, yeah, it is work. It does take more time, but it's freedom because when I realized, oh, it's because I'm actually anxious about going to be around all these other people and people are like, look, Kate, you're so social. Like you're so extroverted. Like, why would you, you're not anxious around people. And I'm like, no, I, and honestly, I believe that about myself, but truthfully, when I did get self-aware and I did actually stop and ask myself this, I was like, no, I'm actually, I have like social anxiety because I learned to control a room to feel safe. I learned to, you know, I empath, whatever you want to call it. I learned to find the person in the room who is low or down and, you know, try to lift their spirits up or whatever the case was. So I learned very well as a safety skill and a mechanism within myself to navigate a room successfully with high energy, um, in which I used alcohol to help me do. And now I can do that authentically and do it well and not put a bunch of pressure on myself and not feel like I have to make anyone feel a certain way because I am so self-aware and I don't need alcohol to help me navigate those situations. Mm -hmm. is also a huge part of I know your own work that you do with clients because with me even I didn't even know guys I'm sitting here I've never done any somatic work at all and Michelle's like where do you feel this and I'm like what do you mean like what do you mean where do I feel this do you remember this yeah I'm like I don't I just I don't you're like back stomach pay attention and I'm like I don't it's like up here I don't know I was so disconnected from my body and this is this is I think more common than not and I find it very much in high achieving women we're so good at leading with our heads and our masculine right energy that we compartmentalize stuff and we don't attune to ourselves or our bodies um, and this is why I love Michelle's work because she gets you to come out of your head and connect with your body. And then you're like, what, what color is that? My like, color, there's a color. <laughs> yeah. That was like experience to all of it. So anyways, I digress. I, I love, love, love all the work that we've done and that you do for that reason, because just like you said, it helps you connect to your body. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you said so much and all that. I was trying to take a little few little notes over here because what I heard you say um, in a nutshell and what is most of the time what we're struggling with as women is 
you know, looking there again, looking outside of yourself to feel safe. Most of this journey that I've experienced myself and with my clients is this idea of how can I feel safe emotionally? A lot of times, many of you may hear that. I'm sure if you've been following Katie, you you know more, but sometimes women don't even really know what that means because all these patterns that we've created through our lives growing up have come from different events in our childhood and our teenage years and young adult years to where we've learned, oh, if I show up like this and I, ple I people please and say yes to them, they're not mad at me. So, okay, cool. I feel safe. Or I show up and be able to be the solution finder or I can control my environment, then I'll feel safe. And so everything we're doing is this very much, like you said, high intellect, ego way of controlling our environments so that we feel safe. And yeah. they've worked for us. That's why we keep doing it. But that's not truly, truly who we are. And we cannot... I believe this to my core. We cannot truly walk in the purpose that God designed us to, to walk in when we're living in that space. We have to get to a place where we're in our bodies and learning how to create that for ourselves, even if someone doesn't like my choices or, I, or someone gets upset because of a boundary or a decision I make. Or I open up and I tell my partner, you know, this is, you know, I'm not happy with this circumstance or this is how this made me feel. And it's very, very scary. However, like you said, it is truly the, the gateway to true freedom. And then it gets less scary the more you realize like, oh, wait, I did that and I'm safe. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for defining that because that's so true. Like hearing me say I was navigating a crowd to keep me safe. I didn't think I was like any, I was like any like actual physical danger. Right. And it's like, so, but identifying the fact that like, I literally don't feel safe in a crowd unless I am like the, either the center of the attention or I'm, I'm in charge of the energy because I'm, you know, making sure that everybody feels good. Like, recognizing that was like an actual safety concern for me. That's what our brains do though, right? Our brains are survival mechanisms. And so they tell us, oh, if you, you go into that situation and somebody feels bad and you can't lift them up, you're not safe, right? Like you, you might, you're, you're going to get chased by a saber toothed tiger. That's brain. Right. And so it's like, for what, what I heard you say too, was, um, which I love was um, based off of childhood experiences and our condition, the beliefs we've been conditioned to have, which is where that comes from. Like, hey, maybe you spilled stuff or broke stuff and you got screamed at every time you did that. Maybe it wasn't even a huge traumatic event. Maybe you had great parents and you just had somebody scream at you every time you made a mistake. And internally you learned, Hey, I, I don't feel safe when I make a mistake. And so then you, I grow up and you try, you 
you worship perfectionism and you realize it's an absolutely ridiculous standard to hold yourself by. But guess what? You don't know this about yourself because you're not taking the time to actually do the inner work and you're so overwhelmed and you're so stressed and you feel all the shame and all the failure and a glass of wine shuts that voice down yep. versus empowering yourself to choose a different way and have that control and peace without it. And that's the latter, right? That's like what, yep. what the work's all about and why it's worth it. Yeah. And it simply starts with awareness, right? That we are aware that we're choosing something in this case, alcohol for my women and, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is for the listeners, but recognizing like, oh yeah, I can see myself in that. I have, there's some awareness here. Let me, let me just check in and just be honest. That's one of my biggest, my very first pillars is a, uh, being completely honest with yourself and being able to have that conversation with yourself, not no one else. You, you know, I always tell my ladies, there's no reason to out yourself on social media or go tell all your friends or, or even your partner at this time, you know, you may decide to later, but this is about you and your journey and going, huh, I do notice that I, that I go to that when I'm feeling uncomfortable or if I'm feeling stressed out, or if I know that I've got to have a, you know, a uncomfortable conversation with my spouse or, you know, I did the pre-gaming for dates. You know, I heard you say you did that for events. I did it for dates when I was married because, you know, now looking back, I thought, well, it's not going to be fun if I don't. And what am I supposed to talk about? And, you know, and then it became, well, that's, you gave me the, the energy to actually want to go on a date and be able to get out of my own way of my own thoughts and discomfort. And so but in the moment, I didn't know that. I just thought, oh, I'm saving money. I'm going to go ahead and kick a few back at home before I spend $8 for a glass. You know, <laughs> there's always an easier excuse at the time. No, I love, I love that you said that. So, um, you had, you and I have had previous conversations about, um, kind of looking back and realizing that you used the alcohol to even escape your relationship at times or the difficulties within it. Right. Um, so can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, for me, the biggest thing who I realized that I had become was just completely avoidant. I got to a place where I knew that if I numbed out with wine, whether it was two glasses or a whole bottle, and really the process is, you know, the more you consistently drink, the more your tolerance becomes. And so it is to where I was drinking a bottle of wine a day, still, you know, working and sometimes working out, not as much as I do now consistently, because I love my body and I want to care for it in that way. But um, I, nobody knew it, it wasn't really, really affecting me outside. Right. I mean, I was, I was foggy and high functioning, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's the beauty of this conversation that I like to share too, is the fact that out with the journey of alcohol and coping with it, there's this huge spectrum. It is not completely full-blown alcoholic, you know, 
yeah. has to go to rehab and it's getting DUIs and their whole world's falling apart or you don't drink at all. There's just so much. Yeah. And you, it's, that's the tricky part with women, especially um, women of faith and high achieving women, because there's just this level of, uh, that we hold together or this discipline we have that's really sneaky. We're like, well, yeah. I'm really, really not that bad. But because we're shining a light on it, you really look at it and go, oh, well, wait a minute. Is that really how I want to gauge it anyway? Is this really fulfilling for me? And why do I, why do I want to avoid sex? Why do I want to avoid conversation? Why do I want to, you know, why am I doing this? Because I have not allowed myself to be honest with myself. Yes. All of, all of the things. That's funny. I, uh, I used to use, um, I also used to use wine to get me in the mood. Yeah. So, um, I know a lot of ladies who do that too, cause it's just about relaxing your inhibitions. Right. And it was like, um, in all, in all reality, it was, I, I escape, I tried to escape and cope with my disappointment within my own marriage too. Um, early is very early on in our marriage. And it was just like, you know, he would, he would smoke weed. I would drink wine. And then I realized, and I was of course externalizing because wine was more socially acceptable. So there's nothing wrong with me having a glass of wine or a bottle of wine or drinking coffee, um, needing my, my coffee every morning to just function throughout the day. Right. Like, Oh, I gotta have my, I gotta have my caffeine. And guys, I know don't, don't, I calm down. All right. Like, I'm not going to like, I'm not judging you for, we all love, we love coffee. I get it. Um, I have actually quit ca caffeine and, and wine for the most part. Um, but <laughs> when it comes down to anything you need in order to function, there's just that deeper inner. it's a flag for that deeper inner work. Like, why can't I, why do I struggle if I sat in there and said, you know, why do I struggle to get turned on sexually without a glass of wine? Why, why is it that I need a glass of wine to make myself feel like I actually want to be intimate with my husband? And when I stopped to ask myself that question, then again, I opened that door to, oh, well, because I feel like there's a lot of unresolved issues between us. We don't have actually a lot of trust established between us. And sex is a really vulnerable thing, especially for women. And if you don't, again, feel a level of trust, you don't feel safe in that relationship, you don't feel like you can connect sexually. It's very, it can be very difficult. And that was, again, I'm speaking for like a whole, but that was a very personal reality for me. But again, I didn't realize like, well, I just don't have low, I have low self sex drive. I'm tired. I'm, I work a lot. Like, you know, again, all of those rationalizations and they were all just pushing away an opportunity for me to discover something deeper within myself. And so, like you said, whether it's wine, whether it's, you know, scrolling on, I always say the doom scrolls on Facebook, on the reels, like to distract yourself, it's all just it's all just pushing out the timeline of you avoiding your very own feelings and truthfully keeping you from showing up and being the person you really are designed to be, like you said, right? Yeah. And let me bring uh, attention to something that I, I bet women are thinking, because um, I know I was. Um, does that mean I can't like 
chill out at all or can I not watch Netflix? Like, wait a minute, I have to be on and doing all this deep work all the time. No, what it means is when I ask you, this was, this is huge for me. And what I also help with is how much time do you spend thinking about drinking? Yeah, that's a good question. Right. And really assess how much of your attention goes to when I'm going to have a drink, if I'm going to have a drink or that I'm not going to have a drink or what do I need to do first or how much can I, how much should I have or can I moderate or should I wait till Friday or all the things. That's a lot of energy that you're using up. So you're not even really being present. So now, and then, like you said, with what we could say, YouTube, Instagram, whatever, is coping is uh, a skill that we all need to learn. Yeah. Choosing to relax and to calm our minds and our bodies, whether we want to call it mindfulness or meditation, prayer. Um, I actually have been recently doing a 20 minute a day yoga series that someone on YouTube offered this year. And I really said, you know, I just want to do that so that I can start really start paying more attention to my body and getting more flexible. And just that takes me out of what's going on and and really thinking about, okay, what are my hands doing right now? How are my ankles feeling? Am I holding any tension in my, my back or my belly and just helping myself get more inside of me. Yeah. Then choosing the time frame that you want to cope. I actually know that there's a window at night. I give myself an hour every night for, I tell my kids, all right, mom's going downstairs and I'm checking out. This is my quiet time. I make peppermint tea and I get under my warm blanket and I watch whatever show I decide to watch for an hour before I go to bed. And that is my time that I would call relaxing or chill. Now, yeah. that's great. If I watched it for three or four hours, I probably wouldn't be as pleased with, with how I'm feeling and I would need to check in. Yeah. Thank you for making that distinction because I couldn't, I could not agree more. Like, absolutely. Um, I, I think to your point, it's more about, it's not, that's why I said it's not the substance. It's not the event or what you're doing. It's a matter of why are you doing it? How is it affecting you? Is it negatively impacting your life? Is it impeding your ability to be more self-aware and your self-discovery? If that is the case, then no matter what it is, whether it's a tub of ice cream, or, <laughs> right? Like it's a matter of why you're using it. And can you develop a healthy relationship with that? Right? Like I have to self-correct because when I said I quit wine and uh, caffeine, I did not, I have not completely stopped drinking 100% ever. Honestly, I did for a very brief moment. I did sobriety um, completely just for a stint. Also when I had my daughter and I, because of all the work that I did, my relationship with it changed completely. So I can be out at a dinner and I can have a glass of wine or not. Like, and I don't, it doesn't, I don't think about it. It's not the same thing at the time of the life that I was at. It was a completely different relationship with it. It was my coping mechanism. Whereas like some people can't do that and that's okay too. Some people also 
overeat a lot. And that doesn't mean that you have to completely stop eating. It doesn't mean you have to completely walk away from sugar. It means that you have to develop a better relationship with why you're doing these things. Right. Yeah. And I, I see women that's both. I see like you, um, I have one specific client. She's very outspoken about her journey and, um, she shares on her, her social media. She's, a um, in the Arbon business and, she really shares how it had come really out of control and over drinking. It was causing issues in her relationship. And then she did go alcohol free and then really started working on the internal work, using her voice, stepping up in her relationship and communicating um, these challenges with her partner. And then really looking at that, the self-reflection of, how she was wounded and how she was feeling when she was messing up and, you know, same thing, kind of buffering in social situations to where now she'll openly say, yeah, you know, we had a celebration and we all had champagne and I had one, you yeah. know, and then I have other women that are, have explored different parts and just realized that for me, um, they, they have just chosen to say, you know what, because it was such a, it wasn't just a season and it wasn't just a, a stressful time for me. You know, it wasn't, I didn't just increase my drinking because of, I was going through a separation or maybe there was some, you know, trouble with my kid. This has been something when I look back throughout my life, I can see this unhealthy pattern with it. So that tells me that I need to remove it. Yeah. He'll change my relationship to it. Cause here's what I encourage. Cause I, I mean, I don't care. You and I could sit at a table and have a glass and I not, I've been around, I've been to parties, I've been to events because I have shifted my complete belief about wine and, and its value in my life. And, and because of what I do and how I support women, you know, I have, I have no desire to drink it. And I also give women the freedom to decide on their own. And I've had them go alcohol free. And then they, they do just out of curiosity, they have a couple and then they realize, mm, no, this is not, it's not for me. I'm just not going to do this anymore yeah. because they could feel this slippery slope and they just really have to continue to learn that it's all about, you know, feeling what they need to feel within themselves and utilizing something else. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I loved, um, we both, we both said it and I heard you say it again was the relationship to the wine, but in all reality, what needed to change was the relationship to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's, that's also, I mean, that's, and that's a huge, huge message that I had to learn. And then I teach my women with that I work with too, because it's like, we think they're the problem. We think they're our biggest obstacle. We're talking to your spouse now, right? We think your business partner is your biggest stressor that, um, you know, whatever the case is, but in all reality, if something is taking control of you emotionally, which means, and when I say taking control of you, that means you are spending emotional energy and thoughts on this person, on this substance, like Michelle already talked about, right? Um, then it has 
power over you. They have power over you, but no one can take it. You give it. So then you have to step back. And this is all encompassing of whether it's your relationship, whether it's your relationship to a person or a substance, it's what is it? It is all an opportunity to say, you know what? I got to look, I got to look at this within myself. Like one of my favorite things to say is, um, you, you never waste a good trigger, hmm. you know, like back in the day, it was like, oh, I'm triggered. I'm so triggered right now. I'm so upset. Like they did this, they said this, whatever. And now it's like, wow, I wonder why that bothered me so bad. Yep. Like, I need to think on this. Like you take that, like you said, radical honesty with yourself, but radical responsibility for your emotions. And you actually take the time to go, ooh, this is an opportunity for me to learn more about myself versus, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. Oh gosh, I, I must be a terrible mom for feeling that way or thinking that way or a terrible wife. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I need, and then your brain immediately goes, ah, numb it, numb it, right? Like shut it down, push it away, make it go away. And that's that internal dialogue that I think so many of us struggle having. And it's like that pill in the matrix. Like once, <laughs> once, once you go down the, the road, like there's no, there's no like going back. Like there is no way I could ever go back to a spot where I was just completely numbing my, my emotions and being completely, you know, unhealthy in my life because when you go through all the work you do you come out the other end and you just know hey I know where that road leads me and it's a big waste of time and it's full of mistakes and I don't want to go back there right yeah yeah I say that um pretty commonly and frequently is you know once you see it you can't unsee it um and so a lot of what we do is we just don't look and we continue to look away and distract ourselves because we know, I think, in, you know, all of us know that if we, if we look at it long enough, we have to self-reflect. And you said something that triggered, I was looking actually for it and I couldn't find it so quickly, but there's a, there's a quote that I like that talks about, we basically, you know, and this is my experience is that a lot of times we feel like a like a prison that we're in whether it relates to like you said how we're feeling or the coping mechanisms we used or how we're feeling inside of a relationship or in a job we feel like we're stuck but what happens is we're, we're constantly looking out trying to look through the bars to find the answer when all we really have to do is look down and the keys in our own hand like we have the key to get ourselves out of the prison that we're in and for me, that was just huge. That clicked. I thought, oh my goodness. Like I've, you know, when you recognize you have everything you need inside of you. Yeah. And it's just a lot, a lot of it is self-trust. That's what it comes back to is that I kept lying to myself for so long and so many years that it allowed the enemy to creep in. It allowed my brain to see the evidence. Like, look at you, Michelle, you say you're going to do this and you don't do this. You know, and you say you're going to not drink today, but there you go drinking today. And th this, this layer of shame that can come upon us. However, we have the ability to go, well, all I have to do now is do one thing, just one thing and keep my promise to myself. And then another thing and then another. And then you begin to realize like, oh yeah, 
I can trust myself with this. Oh, it's so good. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's like, um, I didn't, I didn't realize that for so many years, uh, because so many people and especially women look at their own value as people, as human beings based off of how they are to other people. And so, and what I mean by that is, are, am I being, am I being a good wife? Am I being a good mom? Am I being a good daughter? Am I being a good friend? And it's like, what makes you a good human? If, if, you know, like if you just, you had nobody around you, you know, where's your value at? If no one's there to say, Hey, you're a good something to say, like, where is your value? And, um, obviously for you and I, we believe in God. So our values rooted in being daughters of God. However, on another level, if we don't, we're so good at keeping promises to other people because of that, we, that value of, Oh no, my word is, I got to make sure I follow through on that, which is good. But then when it comes to ourselves, ah, it's just myself. I told myself I'd work out this evening, but I don't want to. So I'm not going to. And what I was, and I was just listening to somebody talk about this too. And I wish I could quote them properly because it was like a study and they were talking about self-trust and literally the importance of just following through on what you told yourself you were going to do. And when you don't, how the brain literally registers that as you cannot trust yourself. You cannot count on yourself. You're not a reliable person. You could be the most reliable person to everyone else around you in the world. But then internally, your own relationship with yourself is terrible because you're not honoring that because you're not deciding your own value. Um, I was actually, I started to do cold plunges. How <laughs> <Call> that. <laughs> Ooh, uh, never in a million years uh, would I thought I, because I hate the cold, you guys. I just want you to know this. But to take it like one step further, I'm uh, I'm on my way home from the gym today and I'm like, I don't need to do that today. It's cold. I don't have to do it every day. Like, it's fine. Like, and I don't, I don't do it every day. Like, I'm not there yet. I'm building up, I'm building up. But I just, all this internal dialogue between you're fine. You don't have to go. It's, it's okay. You know, like let yourself off the hook, Katie. It's okay. And truthfully, yeah. Would it be okay? Yeah, it would have been. Did I want to do it? Absolutely not. I still went down there and I still stood at the edge of the pool and I was still talking myself into it. And I was still hating every moment of it. And then 10 minutes of this went by and I was like, Katie, you're literally standing at the edge of this pool, wasting so much time. You know, at this point, when I walk, if I walk away now and I get in my car, I go back to my house, I'm, I'm going to hate myself, but there is no way I'm going to feel good about myself by coming this close to doing what I need to do for myself, my energy, my health, all my goals. If I don't just go do it. And I did. And, and it's, that's like, that has been something I love that you brought that up because that has been something that even in my journey of the work that I've done with therapy and coaching, um, that came later like figuring out that I needed to follow through with promises that I made to myself. Yeah. So I don't know. Go ahead. I said, I just don't know. I don't know about you or when that came up. 
I think it's just been a, it's just been a journey. I think through the whole process, especially coming from a place of, like I said, just spending so much time knowing that I wanted to make changes, but just not actually taking the action because this journey is, it's, it's both. It's very action driven, tangible things that we need to do to break the habit pattern, right? The habit loop. But with that is layered. And that's why you hear these stories specifically about drinking and not drinking dry January, dry July, whatever. Yeah. Because people can do it temporarily when there's like a tangible checklist goal. Cause the brain does like that. So it's real tricky because we get little dopamine hits. Cause we like, Ooh, look at me. I'm 15 days. But wow. if, if we don't, if we just do that and we don't do the internal exploration, then that's where eventually you just, it, it just it's like you get tired. Your brain gets tired. It's no fun anymore because it doesn't even want to keep helping you because it don't even know where we're going. Right. Yeah. So that's where the internal and getting clear what I hear a lot of people say, and even what, you know, the reason why I bet you have chosen to do this cold plunge. And the reason why you were able to to step into it was yes, because you practice, yes, because you're trusting yourself more and you're challenging yourself, but you haven't been vague about it. You've actually understood clearly why this is beneficial for you and yeah. layered layered your commitment. And that's the key because we all there's we all do this. Oh, I'm gonna eat healthy. I want to do right. this to feel healthy. Well, what does that even mean? Yeah. Because that does nothing for me. Of course I want to be healthy. Well, what does that mean exactly? And so it, it's another piece to the layer of, let me get super clear on what that means. And there it goes back to that question I said before, what is it costing you? Have you looked at your labs lately? Is it costing you, you know, you got extra belly fat and your clothes are uncomfortable? Is it costing you, you know, even the internal, you, you're feeling guilt and you're feeling shame. Is it costing you um, your grocery budget because you keep buying you know, too much food or just whatever and looking at your heart health and your liver health and really layering and and what it is that you actually want. Because so many times, I know you talk about this too with women, we have been so conditioned to to do many things, but a lot of it is to, to serve and to love and to nurture and we've lost our way and really going in, but God says that it, it matters. Like he gives us the desires of our heart. So why do we, what happened that we stopped looking for what we wanted? I don't know when I was challenged by my coach in the beginning of this deeper journey after I stopped drinking and I was heading into this place where eventually I did get separated and divorced from my husband at the time that she challenged me. Well, what is it that you want? And I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I did. I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> that's jarring, right?" Yeah. So that's a huge part of it too, is really going in and, and asking yourself without any judgment, without criticizing yourself, and really go in real in the quietness of your soul. You know, what do I want? And really start to allow yourself to open up to that that concept. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's an exercise I give um, my uh, game changers is start your day every single morning and ask yourself what you want out of your day. 
Because again, we're so good at like the game. If you guys don't know, the Game Changers is my uh, paid coaching community that I run. And um, we, uh, the as women, that just that small little change of instead of immediately waking up and jumping into, oh gosh, what do the kids need? What does what does my husband need? What does everybody else around me need? It's like, what do I want this day to? How do I want to show up for my day? Like that was something that was such a shift, such a game changer for me. <laughs> and, and it is for so many women just stopping and asking, what do I even want? It's, it's incredible. Um, Michelle, what would you say if somebody came up to you and said like, okay, what's the benefit of all of this? Like if you could say old life versus where you're at today, past Michelle versus today, Michelle, what would you say is like, what, what's the after? Like, what are you experiencing now that's so much better than where you were before? Mm, that's a good question. I am going to highlight too. Another question we can ask is what do we, what do I not want? Yeah, that too, for sure. Because sometimes we don't really know what we want, but boy, can we tell you what we don't want? Thank so, you for saying that. That is good. That's very good. To start there. And that really goes into, you know, what, you know, kind of led my journey was recognizing what wasn't working in my life and what did I not want anymore? You know, as a, as a believer and as a married woman, it wasn't on my list. I want a divorce. That wasn't what I was choosing, but I wanted connection and intimacy and, you know, I wanted safety and friendship and, that was opening me up to really being what I needed to be. And we know we can't change anyone else. How did I want to show up? And so that journey led me through, you know, through removing the alcohol, through that journey to where I am today is just really the answer to that question is, man, I just have so much more peace I know who I am. I know that no matter what, I've got my own back now. Yeah. I'm I'm so I'm safe. I can feel emotions that I never imagined that I could feel and still be okay and not completely lose control or overdrink or overeat or anything else. And that now I'm honoring. I'm, I'm honoring myself. I'm honoring the God who created me. I'm being able to pour into my children in a new way, love them differently, relate to them differently. It's like the more I move, the more I'm just, I, this has been my feeling is just, I'm just living more in a flow now. Yeah. I'm able to move and adapt and I, I feel graceful and I feel softer, you know, because of, how I was living too I was very high in my my control and my masculine and I there's such a softer side of me that I didn't even realize that was there until yeah. now and I'm just it's just healing and it's coming back home to myself and it's and it's going to bed at night feeling just content and proud of myself and 
knowing that, you know, you mentioned value with self, a lot of this has to do with our values in general. And I know now I'm living in alignment with what I value where before I was not. And so part of the journey is that is just recognizing like I do live my life in honesty and integrity. Relationships matter to me. Um, you know, taking care of myself and loving my body that matters to me and loving it in a way that I don't not like, woohoo, I love my body is so sexy, but loving it because I'm like, wow, look, look what my body does for me. How can I be kind to it? And how can I move it in a way that feels good? And if I was listening to me now, five years ago, I would be like, what is she talking about? What, what does that even mean? And there's no way I'm going to be her. So that's the beauty of it is being able to go, wow, look how far I've come. And then, you know, continuing to move forward. Thank you for sharing that. That's, um, I just can't agree with everything that you just said. I, I would say, I would say I I'm going to every, I'm going to ditto everything you said. And I'm going to say the, I think people, the joy and the peace and the presence for me, right. Is, um, you going back to five years ago, you, if we go to five years, you know, five years ago, six years ago, Katie, um, I never would have thought I would be me either. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for those of you who are out there who are like, Oh, I don't, I do cold plunges. I don't, I don't like, I drink my coffee. I drink my wine. I, you know, whatever, like I get it. I was, I was literally there. Like I absolutely felt the exact same way. Never in a million years would I think I'd be healthy, hit in the gym, wake up at five 30. No. And that none of this happens overnight. None of it happens overnight. Um, but you, you don't know how good things can be because you've only experienced how good you've had it. And that's, that's true for anybody. You, the, the amount of good you've experienced in your life is the amount of good that you think is possible because that's what you've experienced. And the biggest step into why I do uncomfortable things for myself now and why I love doing that is because of that. It's okay. It's going to get me. It's good. Yeah. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard. It's not the path of least resistance. But I know there's something so much better on the other side of that versus taking the easy, comfortable road that I did for so many years. And that's when you truly start to change and truly start to evolve and walk in your God-given, ordained purpose in your life. And you're right. You never sleep better than when you're living a life like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Love that. I love everything. Go ahead. Well, I was thinking, you know, because we all have that the ego part of the brain that says, well, you know, well, what if it's not better? Well, what if it doesn't work? I'm like, well, what if it does? What if, what if you, what if you just try? That's why I say, well, what if you just try and try something new and explore and then just see? And if you want to go back to your same patterns, your same behaviors, your same beliefs, you, you, you can have them. I'm not taking them from you. I always say, I'm, I'm not taking your belief. You can keep it if you want it, but is it really serving you? Is it helping you? Is the pattern that you're living in your marriage, is that really, really serving you and your spouse and your children and 
you know, really, I believe now, now that I have learned and I see it from a whole new perspective that we really are supposed to come together in marriage to further the kingdom and to, and to, and to lift each other up and to become more of who we're meant to be because we're together. Yeah. And I never really got that before because I never experienced that before. And I think the beauty of it is, is that either way, there's always, even if things are going great and, you know, there's been awesome developments with your women in their relationships, then what else, you know, what's next for you? Are you content with staying where you are? Or are you willing to just try? That's all. I love that. I mean, you literally have nothing to lose except for <laughs> risking becoming a better version of yourself, right? Like, and that's pretty awesome. So um, any, any, I think we could end on that, honestly, but is there anything else you want to say or any closing thoughts that you feel like we didn't cover? No, that was so good. I believe that whatever was said, who hears it, um, will receive it. So amen. Sis. Amen. Well, um, tell them where to find you, tell them all the things so that they can. Cool. Well, the best place to find me is to go to podcasts, look up Set Free Sisterhood and find me there. If you already think, well, oh, I might want to check a little bit more. This is a struggle of mine with drinking. And, you know, you think you might um, like me a little bit <laughs> and it might be cool to get to know me and let me support you. There's a couple of ways I can do that. I actually have a course in a community. Um, that is setfreesisterhood.com slash roadmap. Or you can just always just email me, Michelle at setfreesisterhood.com and say, hey, I heard your episode with Katie and I'd like to learn more. Or I just want, sometimes I get emails with just women at, at that baby step saying, hey, it's me. I'm struggling. I just wanted to tell someone. So if that's you, that's cool too. But that way you have ways to get in touch with me. I love that. If nothing else, reach out to her and let her know how awesome she is and encourage her on her. Um, just, I know this journey is just getting started for you and you have given so much to so many women out there and how you've helped all of us, myself included. And I just cannot wait to see how God continues to use you in your journey, girlfriend. Say, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast today.